0: Yippie Kaye Mother Welcome to the party, pal.
1: Hey, welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Hey, hey. hey the life.
2: Hey guys, how's oh, it going?
1: Good, good. Yeah. Um any deaths we want to talk about? Robert Blake died. Do we want to talk right about up. that?
2: Little rascals. Yeah. Lost Highway. Oh, Lost Highway. That, Lost oh,
1: Highway. Lost Highway. Yes. Yes. that is a killed, creepy killed film. Killed his girlfriend
2: or his wife. You know, that one. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, but
0: it seems like nobody seemed to mind.
3: In Cold Blood. It, right. That
0: is a fantastic movie. And
3: he's great in it. The novelization of that movie also is, I think, it's a classic.
0: Well, Truman Capote
2: hated the movie. He thought they, he did not like the movie. He loved, true? you know, they, they changed the book on him. That's right.
1: Well, he's on our wheel at the end of the show. That one of that that those two films are on the wheel, uh, in cold and, blood. No, infamous and Capote. Oh, well,
3: are we are we talking about dead people now? We just, just someone did. else who died. Well, because, yeah, because, well, there's the, the people that got left out of the Oscars Memorial oh, as yeah. is a, is a conversation, pick. like Charles B. Dean, who was actually in Triangle of Sadness, Tom Sizemore, Anne Heche, Paul Sorvino. Wow. But there was a, a major person who died. His death was so notable, it was actually announced by the president of Israel. I was shocked he wasn't in the memoriam. Topol from Fiddler oh, on the yeah, Roof Fiddler and 9,000 other things, yep. he died. And he oh, wasn't wow. in the Oscars.
0: He, he was not he,
3: he's 87 done. he wasn't just in Flash Gordon he was in tons and tons of stuff and I read he performed Fiddler something like 3500 times wow. like it's it's unbelievable yeah all over the, his career in the world and stuff so he he's somebody I grew up watching a lot of so. it's
1: a shock that they can leave those people off the off the thing how can they how can you do that
2: well they're getting slammed for it too they're but always, always doing it every something. year though they get but it happens every year remember know, yeah like Bo Derek off it yeah. wasn't wow. Bo Derrick died
0: or or maybe it was John well, Dick- Paul Servino oh, John was Derrick, George, Paul Servino Topol was nominated for best actor Yeah, I was gonna well, say Topol's
3: the first Israeli uh, Oscar nomination ever and they didn't really even think about that but like I mean, I mean you know I could
1: you know. Tom Sizemore maybe died after they built the list I don't know and they have to record that song and you know practice Lenny Kravitz has to you know time all that stuff But, I mean, Anne Heche has been dead for a long time. I mean, I mean, I don't understand how they can do that. I don't think they liked the way she died
0: and that she was kind of...
1: Okay, but she was still an actress in Hollywood. Paul Servino should have been in there. Yeah, Paul Servino for sure. He's done enough. It's crazy. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about John's film called Collateral. Collateral. I don't know if you can tell by the way he's dressed. It's Collateral. (laughs) Then we're going to do...
2: No, no, I'm not done. Let me me explain what we're going to do. Then
1: we do a round of uh, what you watch, timed, maybe. Maybe not. I'm not sure. And then we're going to do a new wheel situation. Uh, We've decided to slip off the wheel, single wheel, you know, each one of us, and we're going to do twin films. We're going to spin for twin films. Twin film being like White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Films that have the same subject that practically came out, maybe even in the same year sometimes.
0: Volcano, Um,
1: Dante. Volcano, Dante Speaks. So I put a bunch on the wheel. We'll spin, mm-hmm. and all we're going to do is have a discussion about those films. You know, their box office numbers, which one failed, which one was better, things like that. So, but that's And we're going to call
3: it uh, the Wheel of Double Destiny because we named the wheel now. So
1: The wheel is named on the other show. We haven't named it on this one yet. Maybe we will. I just will. did. Double, like Destiny? double D? Destiny? Double D? Double
4: Destiny.
5: Double D.
1: Wheel. I love Double Ds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, knew, I knew that would get shot. I,
4: like, right. I like Studio Cage Match, but that's just me.
1: Studio Cage Match.
4: Okay, because a well, lot of times that's what it is a studio gets an idea and they they get these parallel things going and then they just neither of them blink you know sometimes they do
1: but yeah
0: sometimes they'll pull the they'll pull the plug on one
1: it is amazing the if smart two studios, films can what's that
0: john the smart studios will snap up the other scripts and just um shelve them
1: mm-hmm. you know? well it's amazing amazing it even happens but it does all the time so yeah um, all right, so John obviously is going to uh, talk about Collateral, and he's going to introduce the – how do you want to handle this, Vincent? I picked uh,
2: 2004's Collateral, directed by Michael Mann, starring Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, Jada Pickett, uh, Bruce McGill, Javier Bodine.
3: Uh, what bar yeah,
1: I, I was surprised to see him.
3: Yeah, And a uh, cameo by
1: – who's a cameo by?
3: Debbie Mazar. Oh, Debbie uh, Mazar. Yeah. Oh, and also Statham.
1: Jason
2: Statham, who play who's who they are saying is playing Frank Martin from the Transporter.
1: That's a yeah, they crossed because he
2: transported the package to him.
1: Also, uh, well, by the way, the the kid in the back of the cab with Debbie Mazar was the kid from the well-known film *Murky Rising*, starring Bruce Willis. You ever see that one? That's the (laughs) one with the math (laughs) classic. It's a classic. Anyway, that's the kid in the back Uh, of the cab. One day
0: that kid's going to win an Oscar, maybe best supporting actor. *American Dream*. Bruce Willis will hand it to him. Yeah.
1: No, okay.
2: Okay, so I pick collateral, which is the story of Vince, um, a gun for hire. Vincent. Who, Vincent. 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 Who is in LA to kill five uh witnesses um for an indictment that's about to come down uh for, for Felix's organization, who is played by uh Javier Bardem. Um and he goes into Jamie Foxx's cab and Jamie Foxx is carting him around <laughs> And it's their adventures. I picked this movie. Um, I, I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, and I picked it because I think Tom Cruise, who I am a big fan of, I think he's one of the few remaining movie stars we have, but I think he's a little underrated as an actor. Like, like um, I always think about Rain Man, how everyone praises Dustin Hoffman, who was great in that movie. But really, the only one who goes through any change in that movie is Tom Cruise. Uh, you know, uh, Dustin Hoffman's one note the whole movie a great note, but still one note. And I think this is a movie that what I remember about it the the indelible impression, other than the way it was shot. Now, this was shot mostly digital. Um, it was one of the first ones to do that. It, it, it's a I used to live in California. It's an LA. You don't really see very much of. And the way he shot it, uh, it reminded me of like rats in a maze because. Everything was high when you see the cars going and stuff. It was really well shot. And Tom Cruise plays a great bad guy. And he's really, he's charming. He's manipulative. He's a sociopath when he needs to be. Um, and I, I just love this movie for, for his performance in it and, and, in a way, cause, you know, he always plays heroic characters. I think this one and interview with a vampire was really his. Probably two biggest villain roles, I think. Um, and even, even again, going back to his acting ability uh, in Tropic Thunder, Les Grossman is a great, hilarious character that he created. I don't think he gets enough credit. And the, the scene that really, uh, the way he manipulated things, the two scenes for me that were the best acting-wise for him was in the Jazz Club, where he's true. listening to the guy telling his story about Miles Davis and he's really interested in it and he's commenting on it and then he f- lets slip out about the uh Cartagena and now the guy realizes who this man is and within within that moment he takes out the gun and shoots the guy right between the eyes that was like you know charming 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 scary as hell right and then you know when he goes after Jamie Foxx after that too when, when Jamie Foxx realizes he's going to be collateral because this guy's a psychopath and I'm not going to make the night the other one is for, frankly, for me, and here's a spoiler, the death scene. There's a lot of ways you can play a death scene, but the way he played it, you know, he tells that story at the beginning, the guy on the subway, he dies and nobody notices. And when he dies, when this cab driver, and, and you know, there was funny because as I did research on this, you're like, well, how did Vince not kill him when he's shooting through the doors? Well, if you noticed every murder that he did, it was two shots to the chest, one to the head. Well, the way Jamie Foxx was positioned in the doors, the two shots in the middle would have hit the door, not the windows. So it was blind luck that Jamie Foxx was able to kill this professional killer who at one point says, I do this for a living. But the way he played the stillness of that death scene after he got shot and realized, you know, the clip falls out, and then he kind of sits back on the chair and realizes he's about to live the story he told. I just, that's why I, I love the look of this movie. Now, some of the stuff's a little implausible, uh, and there were points. I I, 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 Now that I've seen it again, it's a little slower than I remember. But uh, I still really liked it a lot, and I think, again, the reason why I picked it was I think he is so underrated as an actor because he's He's so good at what he does in the action adventure and the stunts that I think it, it gets overlooked too often how good he was and is. And he is really good as a bad guy in this movie. And I'm dying to know, I assume all of you have seen this movie.
1: Well, okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, so it was I'm an assignment. I mean, we had to. I know. But no, I mean, we prior to this, to. prior to the assignment. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. I saw it in the movies. yeah. yeah we so, were
5: forced to watch it, John.
2: You were, you were forced <laughs> to watch it. So I'd like to know what you guys think about it. First well, of all, let's,
1: I, can I just jump in for a sec? Cause you, yeah. you, you yes. uh, directed by Michael Mann. Yeah. I, I don't love know if you, Michael I, Mann, I usually. didn't hear it. Yeah. Usually. That's funny. Um, and you're right. The cinematography in this thing is digital except for the, the fever, the, the nightclub scene. He shot that in film because the lights would have done right. all kinds of weird stuff to the digital thing. Um, I thought it's a, it's a gorgeous nighttime LA film as well. And I just want to say that. I think the cinematography is incredible and the music is always. I couldn't name anybody that's, that, that, the, the musician, the stuff he used, but he, you know, all his films have this layer of the music track that I think, uh, played pretty well. Tom Cruise is a good actor. I think the gray hair and the gray beard and all that stuff kind of seemed a little gimmicky at first, but you, you forget about it. And, you know, he does, he does come through. And you gotta remember, this is like a Jamie, early Jamie Foxx film. I think, I don't right. think he was, this the just a year film. before, the yeah. year before Ray. So it's interesting. The first one he's the,
3: not doing like, um, um, the uh what was that comedy where they living um, in living down on, they went down on women through Saran Wrap? I can't remember what it was with Marlon with a Wayans brother, but I mean like he was like a silly comedy guy. Yeah, but he did this and then he got an Oscar. Well, I
1: bring so. it up because the poster I showed uh is just Tom Cruise in the poster. Right, uh, holding the gun. So it, it's an early Jamie Foxx, which is kind of fascinating. You know, if you go back and look at his career, and he was he was very, Jamie Foxx was good. But yeah, there's some implausibility stuff. But I don't, I didn't care about that. Uh, anyway, Sean, you you seem to have a
0: negative spin or something. Not a good <laughs> Michael <laughs> Mann. Go.
5: No, after you, Sean.
0: Okay, um, I saw this film in the theaters. Obviously, you know, because back then I saw everything. You know, talk. You know, every film is allowed one coincidence. So, I mean, obviously we're going to spoil this film. It came out in 2004. If you haven't seen it yet, you know, too bad. So um, (laughs) he meets Jada Pinkett right at the beginning. And it's not – it's kind of a meet-cute, but they bond, and she's a federal prosecutor. And um, they hit it off. I I just – For one thing, I just didn't buy she comes back and gives him her card. I just didn't think that would happen. That was the most fun part of the scene. What?
3: That was the most fun part of the scene because he's kicking himself. I didn't have the balls to ask her for her number, and then she's like, here, here's my number. I I just
0: didn't buy it, the characters. And then it turns out she's the final victim. And now he has the card. As soon as she handed him the card, I'm like it. It like it like ruined the movie for me because I knew she was going to be. I didn't know she'd be the final victim, but I knew she'd be a major player. Mm-hmm. In what was going to happen? And uh, you, know, you know, there's, you know, it was a big movie. You you knew Tom Cruise was going to be a killer, so you knew that. Um And so, I mean, that's a, that's to me, it's like two huge coincidences, and. I just think after the first victim or the guy, which I thought was funny, falls on the cab and he goes, you killed that guy. He goes, no, I, you know, I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him, you know, but it's sort of like they throw it in. um, What's his name? The guy's in the superhero movies. Mark um, Ruffalo. Ruffalo throws in. You know, there was a cab driver who went crazy last year, killed three strangers, then killed himself. You know, so you know what's going to happen. To me, that's a clumsy screenwriting line, but um, I just can't believe Tom Cruise, he has a modus operandi, but after that, just the fact that he's driving around- We say that
5: M.O. in the business.
0: Yeah. The fact that he's driving around in a, you know, it's his plan to kill- sticks, really. Okay. To kill the driver and essentially let the driver take the blame for all the murders, which he kind of pulls off almost, but- To me, once he's driving around in the car with that broken windshield that's attracting police attention, if he was sensible at all, he would have just killed Jamie Foxx, hailed another cab, you know, and that would have been it. You know, it is not, you know, so, you know, as much as I loved Thief, I think, you know, Thief is, you know, a masterpiece and Heat is unbelievable. You know, Heat's a film I could watch a million times. And I probably have watched it 50 times. This one, I have a problem with. I don't think it's Michael Mann's worst film. For some reason, I just hated Public Enemy, his next film after this, oh. which he also shot on video. <coughs> but in that case, it looks like real video. I mean, to me, that movie, probably because it's set in the 30s, you know what a 30s film one? looks yeah. like. Yes. You know, it just didn't mm-hmm. look like that, but. The look of the film pulled me out of it completely, and the plot wasn't really. You're talking about the other one, not yeah, not yeah, one. Um, Public Enemy. Yeah. Well, did you notice plot.
2: Tom Cruise's outfit was the same as De Niro's in Heat? Did I know that? Yeah.
0: Did you notice? Yeah, that? If I knew that, I'd I'd be thumbs up on this movie. Yeah, it was. <laughs> did That's he wear? Wait a second. Did Cruise wear um, Al Capone's underwear in this? <laughs>
1: No, so what do you John, think? John read the same IMDb that we I all read. Like, Whatever, yeah. You, you know, like I know. the
5: uh, you like the look of the film. I did not like. I didn't appreciate the look of the film at all. It was just too jazzed up. You know, the shots are just hard to see and visualize. And what you were watching is too much on the screen. You know, it was all on the screen, but it was too much on the screen. I keep. I
1: couldn't. You mean all all the scenes, Debbie, or any in particular? Well,
0: uh, she's talking about the nightclub in Yeah, particular. the
1: Fever nightclub. It was hard to get the geography of what was going on there. What's
5: going on? What am I watching here? Oh, yeah. you
1: know, no, I'm so, not saying it wasn't a good scene, but the geography was a little all over the place. I couldn't figure out who was going where.
5: What the heck, you yeah.
1: know. Uh, I tried to but, was, uh, Go ahead.
5: To me, it was just too, you know, unrealistic that, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx, a cab driver, is going to affect, the you know, that uh, that lawyer, you know, that prosecuting attorney i mean there's no way that you know it's not going to happen because she
0: knows how difficult it was for a film editor to get a med tech
1: yeah well he was a charming guy i mean he was charming he was he was they had that little banter at the beginning about which route to take i mean i think i I think he was go ahead chris
4: i was gonna say the opening five minutes of this film when she gets into his cab and hands of time by groove armada plays that's that's some of my favorite five minutes of of film. Period. End of story. And I don't, I I love that sequence. I mean, I absolutely love it. It's it's slow. They take pauses for overhead shots. It's not like some kind of super witty thing. I buy that she would give it, you know, that she would, you know, like you said, it's, it's funny. It's that cabby banner, but like, you know, he, he makes that joke about a guy gets in with a samurai sword. I figure he's a sushi chef chef. You know, I, I love that opening. And as far as, you know, I used to think about that too, that the killer then gets into that exact cab, but he was quite literally there casing the joint, making sure that his ID worked because he knew that he was going to have to get into a secure federal facility to, Kill a federal prosecutor, which is no small thing. Um, so yes, is it a little bit of a strain that he would get into that exact cab? Possibly, but at the same time, he had a legitimate reason for being there, in my opinion, but I love that opening scene with them talking and I could see how, you know, here's this lady, you know, here's a guy. She thinks to herself, why not take a chance on a blue collar guy? Do you know what I mean? And she said she's working uh, all the time. you know he's That's got not he's true not like, uh, maybe no, maybe he's telling her about his his plan and everything and um I, I don't future. know let me put it this way I have a friend of mine you know um don't get me wrong he did go to college eventually and you know he got a message <laughs> for me but his wife is like a um She's a Yale doctor, you know, and he is from a blue collar family, you know. Um, anyway, that's the side, but I love that sequence. But the movie as a whole, um, probably not my favorite Michael Mann film, but I, I think it's, I, I really, that's a enjoy tough, it.
1: that's a tough hill to climb to say. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Come like on. you said, Thief Heat. Thief Heat. You know, oh, my God. I
4: mean, um, the, uh, a Jericho the, uh, Mile. Yeah. Oh, you put any of those things in there and it, and all of his movies are great. Yeah. Um,
1: The Keep. Uh never mind.
0: Keep. <laughs>
4: I have like to go on and on, but one of But Black like, hat. I really, I did want to <laughs> ask somebody this question because, like, I really enjoy this movie. I think the look of it is cool. Yeah. I like everything. Does anybody get the feeling that um you know Tom Cruise says he's been doing or Vincent's been doing it for six years? Do you think he was a lawyer first? Let's <laughs> oh, get that one the other scene. He a lawyer when yeah. he's like. You know when he's talking to the guy uh, back at the cab stand or yeah. whatever, and he's like talking, and he's like, no, he's giving him all like this kind of like straight legal advice, or at least a. So I always got the feeling that he was a lawyer, and it, like that was kind of like an unspoken joke that it wouldn't take too much of a push to turn to go a, from a lawyer to an assassin. Funny. Yeah, to be like you know to be like a <laughs> very really meticulous funny. lawyer, it just say sense.
0: you know what that's I'm going to make more money killing people. That's good. I do want to say, although I sound very negative on the film. That in particular, the jazz club scene, yeah. <laughs> I thought was excellent. I loved, I loved that scene. I thought that was great. You know, I just, and there were plenty of good moments. Mm-hmm. But, well, know. it's you know,
1: okay. If if you're worried about implausibility and coincidences and all that, forget it. it, it, it you know, this things are happening where nobody's around. That car crash that happens. And no, you know, finally a cop shows up. I mean, you know, you got to really suspend disbelief to enjoy what Tom Cruise and, and Jamie are doing together. Number one. And yeah, I think there was probably a many, many times he could have got out of that cab and ran away.
0: Yeah, that I want to bring it up is that he could have, now once he introduced him to his mother, right? right that that should, threatened his mother. You right. knew he was in for the rest of the ride, but before yeah. then. He- uh- he could
1: have If I'm going to talk about an implausible scene, it's the scene where Cruz makes him, Vincent makes him go in there to talk to Javier Bardem mm-hmm. and get Pretend that, get get the, get the stick from him. Mm-hmm. Like is, to me, there's no way that he would be able to pull it together the way he did and turn into the badass that he turned into to make mm-hmm. him look like he was Vincent, which is what he thought, Bardem thought he was Vincent.
2: Well, but See, wasn't I, at that point it was survival? Because
1: right, I he understand so he reached he was the point where he turned. I know, but it was like that. That he I, went I from bought to... it.
3: I thought, I thought that was super entertaining because, you know, you, you realize the danger that he's in, but he's, you know, he's in there and he's like, I'm in, I'm in danger everywhere. Right. If I don't do this and I get killed by the cartel, I get killed by Vincent. If I do this, I'm still alive. I get to walk out of here. Right. And yeah. Maybe, it was, maybe. I, I had also forgotten that that was Javier Bardet. Me too. Because I haven't seen this movie <laughs> in a long time. And I, I just he's wonderful. So yeah, yeah. that was a really intense scene.
0: Santa Claus. Am I really well
1: Santa Claus? Is that and, an early film for him as well, or was he around for a long time? I,
2: an early, I mean, he's been acting since the
3: 90s. Okay. Yeah, But well, well, It was definitely to one Tom of his early Hollywood films. I, I know. Yeah, he's yeah, he married to Penelope Cruz. Yeah.
2: Holy awkward moment.
3: And he, he acted with Nicole Kidman, uh, Tom Cruise's ex-wife. So it's a small community, Hollywood. That's how it is. But
2: also, the way Jamie Foxx played yeah. that scene in the beginning, he was definitely stammering. He was nervous. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then once he realized all the guns are around him, if he doesn't pull this off, he's going to die. Then survival instinct took over and he says, okay, I got to play along. Yeah. But
1: that's me. I'm peeing my pants and I'm crying like a baby. Well, but, I guess I'm putting myself in but that. But that that's spot. you, Ralph. I, know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I never, you. You're I never of thought, a pussy. I never thought he wasn't afraid in that scene. Yeah. I, I, I kind of dug the idea that what if he really was Vincent and Vincent is just some guy in a hoodie who's kind of soft spoken. Yeah. And he comes in and he's like, you know, I want to finish the job. Give me this stuff. And I mean, I believed it. I totally believed it. That was like all of Jamie Foxx's strengths as an actor in one scene because he was convincing to me both ways. Yeah, totally. Even though no, we I knew mean, that it, it was all fake yeah, when he got tough. Yeah, right. So, so
1: what else about the film, Drew?
3: Well, I've always been fond of this movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. And, um, I remember that I liked it. I, I, it's the kind of movie like if, um, if, uh, YouTube's always serving me scenes from movies. So it keeps showing me like, uh, Tom Cruise killing those guys in the alley when he fired like five bullets in less than two seconds or something. And of course it was Tom Cruise really did it with the real right. gun, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I, I was a little curious because I, I own it on Blu-ray. I hadn't watched it. Uh, in many years. I could have watched it on Paramount, but I said, you know what, I'm going to watch it on Blu-ray. I was kind of worried maybe the whole, uh, maybe it won't look really that good with it being on the digital format from almost 20 years ago, uh, which was, of course, like you said, way more distracting in Public Enemies. I think it works in this movie. And I was hoping that I was remembering that it was a good movie. And it was not a good movie. It's a fantastic movie. This movie is so entertaining and the look of it and the feel of it. Like I could, I could watch helicopters fly around Los Angeles with the cityscape reflected on the bottom of the, of the fuselage for an hour. I mean, it's, it's so Michael Mann. It's so well done. I, I remember thinking, uh, this must have been really satisfying to edit like to pull all these pieces together just because every every thing that and I, apparently Michael Mann does 80 takes of everything so you know you, there was a lot of material but <laughs> well even the I mean, even the, so uh, distinct. the even the
1: blocking of the one scene in the penthouse where all you see is that guy get the call mm-hmm. saying there's a notary mm-hmm. down here and he does that long shot with the two people on the couch out of focus I don't yep. know if they're kissing whatever they were doing and he does that scene along the staircase that's just Reminded me of Manhunter. The, some of the scenes in Manhunter that he did, well, he obviously, sure. Heat, Miami Vice. Just mm-hmm. that aesthetic he has, and you're right. The reflections on the glass of the buildings in L.A. and all that just just kept this thing
3: moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I, I found it really satisfying. And because I mean, I like Michael Mann movies. I don't like all of his movies, but I, he's one of those guys. If I get into the vibe, I can say, well, maybe there's one too many coincidences. It's a movie, except I don't care. Because it's a Michael Mann movie, and he's just transported me into this world. I haven't watched Heat in years. Now I want to watch that again. And my favorite Michael Mann movie I haven't watched in a while, which is The Insider. Oh, my God. I I think that's that's almost the best version of him because that is a movie with incredible storytelling and suspense. And it's mostly just talking. people talking. Yeah. I've never been so terrified by manicured fingernails tapping yeah. on a desk as I have in that movie. Like really incredible stuff. Forgot so this was, one. this was super fun to revisit. John, I'm really glad that you picked this one because I, I was looking forward to watching it again at some point in my life and uh, it was totally worth watching again. And I came upstairs all excited after I watched it because Kelly was on a call and I said, do you want to watch it? I'll, I'll totally watch it again. She said, well, not right now. And I was like, all right. But it was just really, it was just really entertaining. And, um, Tom Cruise is really, I I don't know, you know, I, I I think he's, he's going to die without an Oscar. I'm pretty confident about that. But, um, you know, this was five years after Magnolia and he was very, very compelling, uh, as Jason Robarts son, uh, the, you know, the, um, uh, motivational speaker for men and all that kind of stuff. And he has, uh, just a bigger range than you give him credit for, and this is one of those examples I think that really shows it. He's very satisfying to watch. Well, I think Debbie
0: and I are going to be in the minority report. <laughs> I love right. that movie too. Uh, here's yeah. a little
2: tidbit. So originally, and I'm, uh, again, you guys probably got this from the same research I did. Uh, this was Russell Crowe's movie. Uh, he was originally in the development of it, and he couldn't. He was couldn't do it schedule wise. He's the guy that brought in Michael Mann. Huh. So Michael Mann wasn't involved with this originally. So I was wondering because of the right he didn't write. That's right. He, he was, was gonna bring uh, he brought on Cruz and then it was supposed to be Cruz and Adam Sandler. Yeah. Oh, and then that didn't oh, work God. out, so they ended up with they ended up with Jamie Foxx. So and um Drew, you brought up Tom Cruise shooting. So he never shot live rounds before this movie, and he went through training. And they said, the the trainer said, like everything Tom Cruise does, (coughs) he got so proficient with it that they use his quick draw as part of the training for the cops. That's how good he was Oh, they show the
3: scene? Yeah. That's funny. Because
2: it really, I mean, it's like Keanu Reeves in the John Wick movies. The stuff he does is incredible. And if you watch on YouTube the training like Keanu Reeves does for John Wick, he's really doing those things. It's intense. It's incredible. Also,
1: in the scene where he's chasing jada smith around that office and he breaks through the glass and trips yeah, over the yeah, chair he tripped he really tripped over that chair yeah, that's right and michael mann kept it in the cut yeah and now he he's about that. to go into space for his next film yeah <laughs> tom cruise you say oh. he's going to die without an oscar he may die on one of these stunts he does and that's hey you know what he's, he's going to go out say doing doing what he wanted to do. and right. he
2: would tell you nothing would make right. him happier than that if you're going to so, go, go go doing something yeah. you love doing oh uh, one that other thing crash,
3: about him in this movie in this movie, he, you know, he runs in every movie. Yes, he does. He is so fast and terrifying in this yeah. movie, running through the subway station after the two of them. Oh yeah. my god! I don't know how. <laughs> it's really intimidating. See,
1: my suspension of disbelief is: how do these people <laughs> run in the shoes that they wear? Well, even Jada, Pick- Jada Smith is running around in those high heels, and I think even uh, he, uh, Jamie Fox is trying to pull her along. But like, even Tom Cruise, I guess those have rubber soles or something. I don't understand if he's wearing, you know, uh, fancy shoes. Right. You're gonna be slipping really all over the place. I think about plate. it. I'll be honest. See, I do. Uh, I think of I those.
2: That, that that car crash at the end that they did, where he flipped the car. So they shot that, and it it went perfect. It landed exactly where it was supposed to go. But he thought it looked a little too staged, so they did it two more times, and they actually used the first take.
1: That bothered me. Let me tell you what bothered me about that. Uh, that oh, whole wreck. It's yeah. that computer, by the way, which. Tom Cruise was able to pull off the cap stick Oh, you the mean thing it in. was open to the page? It was open to the page where you yeah. see her. I mean, I when I saw this the first time, I never put Another two
0: coincidence. and two. I'm saying,
1: but I never put two and two together. I thought they'd ultimately end up at the end because she gave the card and he went through this whole thing. You know, as this movie's going on, I kinda go, Wait a second, this is a big prosecution. He's going after witnesses. It's probably gonna be her, but I didn't care. I didn't care. Um Well I just at the beginning
2: was- he comes out of that building.
3: Right. The very right. first
2: scene is where yeah, he right. comes out of that building. He was casing it out. Well,
3: it wouldn't have it wouldn't have bothered me if that scene where he finally decides to say, "Okay, well then if nothing matters, I'm going to step on the gas. You're not going to shoot me." It wouldn't have bothered me if he decided to do that because he found out when they were in the cab that that was Vincent's final target. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have like that would story-wise I wouldn't have bothered me, but I do like that it went the way that it went because uh, that's the first time in the whole movie and not everything has gone his way, Vincent. But it's the first time in the whole movie that Tom Cruise looks nervous. Right. Mm. He, you know, he picked this cab driver and stayed in this guy's cab because he was easily manipulable. Right. And he was able to get. I mean, can you imagine? Like, just pick up the spot and help me put it in the trunk. And this guy was so shocked by what was happening, he just did it. And now all of a sudden, like, you could. You could die because I'm gonna drive this car into something. I mean that that's a great scene. Again, little little bits of acting on Tom Cruise's face and the way that Jamie Foxx sets his his jaw. I mean it's just it's just great. It's just yeah. great stuff. I, I also wanna uh uh talk about Mark
1: Ruffalo for for a second. Oh yeah. I love Mark Ruffalo. That
0: he got shot. I love yeah, Mark
1: Ruffalo as an actor. I like what he does. Notwithstanding the Hulk and all, you know that that thing. But he's very good uh, as that too. He's been around. And when his when his hair was slicked back and he first came in, I'm like, oh, that's Mark Ruffalo. He looked really cool. And I was so upset when he gets shot at the end that Vincent just takes him out like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really that really bothered me because I I like that. I like I I liked him as a character. I like him as an actor. And I just I know he's not really dead. I get that. But but I just I just I I love Mark Ruffalo.
0: That was a shock to me. I didn't remember that. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of faces. Shocking.
1: Peter Peter the director. Peter Berg is awesome. Peter Berg yeah. is Peter as, Berg. As his the boss or partner, whatever he was. You know, um and, well, and Bruce, just, McGill, Bruce McGill Bruce McGill is the federal
3: agent. I will follow him anywhere. He's I mean he's he's <laughs> in, um, dude is in he's everything. in one of my favorite scenes and it's designed to basically be a standout scene in the insider as a lawyer getting assertive in a hearing. Right. Again, like not the world's most dramatic type thing. I mean he, Bruce McGill, the when he gets shot in fever basically by accident he looks so surprised like wait this is already happening what's what's yeah. going on like you just believe the whole thing because he's not a dick but he's very confident and this is a, it's a federal case and you local guys leave me alone and then when all of that comes together and fever together and, and fever all the storylines converge like that and he just gets swept up in it i mean i just i i love that guy not terrible not
1: to forget his turn in time cop as well
3: yes he's been in a lot of excellent things so Bruce he's Miguel. like Margot martindale and cocaine bear Timecock, <laughs> a classic,
1: and that's Bruce McGill doing this in Animal House, right? That's that's amazing yeah. how long he's mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm.
4: D-Day, brother D-Day. D-Day,
1: brother Bluto. Yeah. Um, so, that, oh, go
4: ahead. I was go. just going to say, there's a couple extra. There's a couple of little things in that movie. It's funny the way that Mark Ruffalo gets killed in this film. It always reminds me of the way that Scatman Crothers dies in The Shining. Oh yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You
4: know how like shocking effort, he puts in all that effort. The way that Ruffalo is tracking this down, and you think he's going to come say them. boom ax to the chest, two to the, two to the sternum done. Right. And you're right. You realize they're on their own. And I think that's one of the great things that another great thing, one of the best lines though, in this film, and it's always, it's always, uh, uh, hit me in, in a very special place. Like, I've never been a big fan of jazz. You know, I listen to a little jazz, but I am not a jazz aficionado by any stretch. And the line where Jamie Foxx is just kind of like lamenting, he's like, I never learned to listen to jazz. And I was like, that's how I've always felt about it. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, as far as like, like I never really kind of got it or, or. You know why uh, jazz
5: is so complicated? It's, uh, mm-hmm. freewheeling. It doesn't yeah. follow a script. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not st- uh, structured. So when you listen to go to a jazz club and listen to it, I can listen to it for a maximum of 2 hours mm-hmm. and then I get fatigued. My brain can't follow sure. all the the notes. So 2 hours of jazz is just enough. Whereas mm-hmm. when you go to hear any other kind of other music you can tolerate in like four hours.
2: But wasn't the point of that, that jazz is improvisational and magic yes. wasn't yeah. improvisational right. yes. and it's he ends up done. becoming improvisational. Yes, exactly. That's why he crashes the car. Cause he realized I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm going to do to prevent that. So I, I kind of got that.
4: And, and also the, the bit with, um, and, and maybe I'm reading a little too much into this, but like, um, because I know LA does have a coyote problem That scene yeah. with the coyote. Yeah. And it always just kind of struck me as being a little, I don't necessarily heavy-handed because I don't know how many of Well, it's, no, things. it's
2: heavy-handed. <laughs> but
4: the idea that, you know, there are these wild, dangerous things that just float in and out of even civil, quote-unquote,
1: civilized. Also, it's a Native American belief that if you see a coyote, you're heading into danger. <laughs> right. If it crosses yeah. your path. So, I mean, that's obviously what's going on there, but uh- – Michael Mann is not, you know, he's, he's not subtle in some things, you know, some of the, <laughs> some of the imagery that he he does. And uh, that's what I love about him. I, I the, the guy is, um, notwithstanding Black Hat and some of the other misses, but uh, I, I actually like Public Enemies. He, he had a lot of good actors in there. It was, it was, a, it was a
0: fun one. It's a fun yeah. gangster. You know what? It's funny about Public Enemy. We had a little screening of it at my house, and one of my friends brought it, and we watched it, and I tried to give him back the disc. And he wouldn't take it. It's like no, just keep it. Well, he had never
1: That's, seen it, but he had a screening. And un- yeah,
0: well, yeah. he's a fan of Johnny Depp. He's a fan of oh. Michael Mann. It's so, one, like, one can't
3: miss, can't miss.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything else before we rate it?
3: Yeah, I want to, I want to say one other thing because, um, you know, Michael Mann, of course, is as much television as he is movies. He's the guy behind Miami Vice, and uh, you know a bunch of different stuff. But crime story, prime yeah, Adventure. my favorite show. That he ever did. I think that this movie, you could see it grew directly out of the show and it starred Tom Sizemore. It was, um, about a year before 2002, 2003. It was called Robbery Homicide Division mm-hmm. and it was a cop show and it had, uh, Tom Sizemore and Barry Shabaka Henley, who's the one who gets killed in the jazz club. And it was like the most Michael Mann, um, in LA story. The same way that, you know, Miami Vice is just indelibly of that city. And, uh, the way, the video that they use, the way that they shot it, the way that they, they set it up, the, the, the feel of it and everything, um, that is collateral clearly grows out of that. And I mean that in a very best complimentary way. Like that, if, I don't know if that shows even streaming anywhere, but I mean, it's, it was like written by Vince Gilligan before Breaking Bad. Like there's just so many amazing people woven through, um, in Michael Mann's career in general, yeah. but that 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 show was I. I said to Kelly, I said, you know, we should see if we could track that down, and she's like, kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that. That was really great, and you know, Tom Sizemore, I think was that's one of his best roles also. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, Heat he is nice just stuff. a
1: remake of L.A. Takedown, a film he had right. done mm-hmm. right, down, then, much to much the, bigger right down to the right down the diner scene, a yeah, much bigger scale. Heat's mm-hmm. he much bigger, better actors, all that. That's the same idea. And if you haven't seen Jericho Mile, which came out, I think, in 1979. Great movie. Uh, with Robert Strauss, I think is his name. No, Peter Strauss. Peter Strauss from Rich Man Poor Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have. It's, oh, it's a great movie. It's, 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 it's a fantastic film, and it's very early Michael man, It's Mann. about a, a marathon
2: runner who goes to prison, and he's trying to qualify for the Olympics.
1: Yeah. And you can see Michael Mann's out. DNA all through that one, too. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. So, all right, let's rate this sucker. Let's start with the Downers. Uh, uh Sean and Debbie, you really going to rate it?
5: I, I didn't appreciate the wow. movie. I'm sorry.
0: That's okay. No apologies. It is um, my second least favorite Michael Mann film. Though I will say there are some good moments. I just couldn't get past the coincidences. What's, what's your first least favorite?
2: for not liking a movie? Yeah, Deb. Never, my
0: never, least never. favorite was is, is that
1: Public Enemies?
0: Public Enemies. Okay.
1: Not Black Hat. I have
0: seen Black Hat. Okay. Though I think okay. that
1: might push Public Enemies up a little bit.
0: Yeah, it will.
4: Chris, Chris, what do you got? Uh, oh, I, I, I love collateral. It, it's funny, Drew, because I actually pulled out my 2000 and probably five DVD. I bought it when it came out on DVD when it first did, which is funny because it, it has two discs for some bizarre reason. It does, yeah and there's there's very little on the second disc that's all of that interesting does I don't even think it has a commentary but um yeah the blu-ray yeah, no, does I, the blu-ray does I love I love this film it's 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 great once again but but like you said I mean it, it's michael mann kind of in his wheelhouse and I don't you can't miss
3: yeah uh drew Ditto. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yippee Kai, Yay! Yay! yay. I, I, as I said, I I knew that this was a good movie and I enjoyed it, and I've thought about rewatching it, and it was just e- even better than I had remembered. So
1: yeah, I'm Yippee Kai as fun. well, and it makes me want to watch Heat again, Manhunter, mm-hmm. which I watch once mm-hmm. a year. Yeah, the great. insider, uh, the insider, Insider is unbelievably good and and unbelievably tense and scary. Russell Crowe, great! Uh, he movie. is
3: so good. And the dread I still feel that, that they feel... gave him the Oscar for Gladiator because they realized I, they should I, have I given it to him, him. They probably instead of Kevin Spacey. Right. So, John, <laughs> good
1: and Gladiator. Good job. Good choice.
0: Yeah, hey, don't forget when,
2: Tom Cruise, very good actor. Yeah. And don't awesome. forget
0: hit the subscribe button. Exactly.
2: Yes, you should always subscribe. Hit the notification button and right. smash the like button. <laughs> We're trying to get up to 185 people, so. To watch this one. Yeah.
4: Watch
5: this
2: I will one. say this, um, back from my
4: blockbuster days when the insider came out, uh, and it drove a lot of people at the store customers. It's crazy. The insider was only available in widescreen on VHS. Man huh. was like, no, nope, no pan and scan for this Good. one, which is kind yeah. of awesome.
2: Oh, they
3: didn't like that.
4: Oh, and people they, wanted to I fill didn't... the whole
3: screen. Yeah, oh. people
4: hate hated
3: oh, as a general I, rule. All yeah, my movies movie. were you remember, though, Why am TVs, I renting a movie that doesn't use the whole
0: screen? The TVs uh, in those days were this big, right? <laughs> Letterboxed. People it. watching movies on phones. Yeah, so, right. So, right. Damn yeah, right.
2: They, so they look great too. You only, see, you only see half of the four of them in all the scenes. What's uh, what's uh, that
1: director say, David Lynch, about watching it on a phone? I don't he's even care. Said, I he don't says, care. That's a
2: great only idea. Losers a only losers that? do that. Only losers
1: do that. Only losers watch okay, movies. let's do on a round of what? What'd you watch? I'm, I don't want to put the timer up, but I'm just asking you guys. Be <sighs> right. wary of time. Okay, what's, what's your, the rules? Come on. No, you. I, just let's just do this. John, let's start with you. Let's uh, set okay, the pace. Okay. Well, I, set I watched. The pace. Uh, I watched two
2: things. One, I finished watching Tulsa King. I love it. So I love Sylvester Stallone. I think the ending was rushed.
0: That's the, my the, only criticism. The
2: twist at the ending was fantastic. I am yep. dying to see what happened. What's the twist? St- Shh Stallone's great. <laughs> Stallone's great. But today mm-hmm. I watched on Turner Classic movies, a movie I never I've never seen before, Thirty Seconds Over Tokyo. Oh. Um, it was uh directed by Mervin Lavoy in nineteen uh, excuse me, Mervin L- LeRoy in nineteen forty four. This is about the Doolittle Raid on Japan mm-hmm. uh, shortly after um Pearl Harbor. They did something pretty dramatic. They took B-52 bombers and twenty-five. I'm sorry, B uh, B-25s, flew them off aircraft carriers, which was, you know, never. Yeah, Michael heard Bay of did before. that in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, well, Michael Bay's a loser. Uh <laughs> it Dan Johnson, Robert Baldwin. Walker. Spencer Tracy played Doolittle. And I gotta tell you something. Other than and this is a true story based on Ted Lawson, who is the pilot of one of the planes. They crashed their plane. Um, they, they were helped out by the Chinese, uh, to get away from the Japanese. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and Ted Lawson actually, uh, he lost his leg. He got his leg amputated. Um, other than the wife relationship between, uh, Van Johnson and Phyllis Thaxter, which was, uh, I found it to be a little melodramatic, but that's a time period. So I, it, it's not a critique. It just is what it is. The aerial footage, cause they, they did, uh, the bombing raid was miniatures. It, it looks fantastic. Like, like, I couldn't believe how good it looked even now. And they won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects, too. It's a great movie because it's based on his book. And, um, it, it's a slow thing because they go through the training. They don't even know what they're training for till the last half hour of the movie. When they're on the aircraft carrier, they finally figure out they're going over Tokyo. And the whole thing about that raid was it didn't really do a lot of damage, but it built the morale up of the United States. To really go full bore into the war against Japan, if you've never seen it, it's it's a it's a really good war movie. It's got a lot of heart to it, and again, uh, all the characters in it uh, they're using their real names. So uh, even the crew on the on the airplane and on the bombers. It's a really good story. If you get a chance, check it out. It's on Turner Classic Movies. Thirty Seconds Over Tokyo.
1: Okay, uh, Sean uh, and Debbie, before your internet dies, um, what'd you watch?
0: <laughs> well, we watched. Well, I watched two documentaries. <laughs> Debbie watched part of one, which was on Binkham about the hot yoga guy who was sexually molesting all of his students. Oh, my God. That was a very sad and disgusting story.
1: Debbie watched that. You
0: didn't watch it? Yeah, Debbie. No, we we watched it. But after she went to bed, I was mesmerized by the documentary on Netflix about Malaysian Flight 370. But it was very frustrating because ultimately – they still don't know how, what happened, you know? But they go through all the theories, the all the conspiracy theory. theories.
2: It wasn't a black, black hole. hole. Yeah.
0: You know, I forget. What newscaster said that? Was uh, Don it?
2: Lemon on CNN.
0: Don Lemon, that's right. Yeah. Um, but oh, you feel so bad <laughs> for these families because it just, this plane was not supposed to end up like that, you know? And how it got to where it was. And they tried to make it look like it was the pilot when, you know, this pod guy probably didn't do it. But there's no way. It's like they go through so many theories and none of them make any sense, really. So it's real, it's kind of frustrating to watch because I remember when it happened, but I didn't go into the rabbit hole on it. The documentary goes
2: into the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's crazy with all the technology that exists today and they
0: still can't figure that out. That's nuts. I do believe it was probably some sort of government conspiracy involved, at least covering up what happened. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, that that's plausible, right?
0: Otherwise, we would know, right? There's some, that's you know, true. there were just so many weird inconsistencies about what happened. Was and like some lame. things which I thought were very compelling, they never beat down or didn't adequately. Explain why that wasn't the case. So. Was Cheryl had
2: a flight attendant on that flight? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good question. It was great
2: when it went
1: underwater. That shirt? So is that it, Debbie? Is that all? Is that your he's speaking for you as well?
5: Yeah, we didn't watch much TV.
1: That's fine. There's no judges here, Chris. Um, so a couple of things,
4: uh, I finally caught up with 1969's Rene Clement's version of the talented Mr. Ripley called purple noon. Oh. It's actually the first version starring um, Alain Delon from France. Yeah. It's a co-production of Italy and French. It's phenomenal. It's really weird and really different from the talented Mr. Ripley that, uh, Anthony, McGill. Is that who it was? Did it yeah. with uh, Tom Cruise and Jude, or not Tom Cruise, uh, uh, Jude Matt Law. Damon. And Matt Damon. Matt hey, Damon. Matt <laughs> Damon. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where, after watching both versions, I like now I kind of feel the need to read the book to see kind of how it's about really was
3: written. Those are great, great books. You would enjoy. Okay,
4: that. well, then that, that may tip me right over there. Um, but the thing I really I caught up with, and I hadn't seen it in forever. And I watched my old DVD of it that had the cigarette burns in the upper can. Was um, George Romero's 1981 masterpiece, Knight Rider, <laughs> Ed oh, Harris. Yeah. Night Riders, starring Night Riders starring who? Ed Harris. Ed, Ed Harris. Harris. It's uh, that is, that's one of those movies where like. All of the actors in there, they're they're all of like Romero's regular cast, and none of them are terrible. Like Tom Savini actually is not a bad actor. He's mostly known for like special effects and gore makeup, but like he's not a bad actor. But when any of them act in a scene with Ed Harris when he's so young, I mean, he still had most of his hair at the time, right? He's just so physical and so powerful. He just overpowers them all and blows them out of the water um, in a way that's. It kind of throws the movie off a little bit, but even though that movie is a little too long and it kind of drags on in spots and like it drags things out, I, I still love it. it's, yeah, such it's the a,
1: Legend of Arthur on motorcycles, right?
4: Yeah, well, it's it's, it's, they're, it's they're actors. They're, they're they're doing like this weird kind of Renaissance traveling Renaissance fair thing, and, but it's all because Ed Harris has has decided. You know, he's kind of eschewed the the wider world and all these people have gathered around him to try to to try to bring back like the the pageantry and the beauty of, of camelot those traveling
1: stuff. renaissance shows those people are nuts <laughs> 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 they live out in the woods through the whole you know the whole season of that stuff and it's
0: some i stuff used to work at those things the yeah renaissance me series. too uh hey, Drew, I just want to say one thing i'm oh, sorry go ahead you know what you were talking about the Yet harris scenes I did this movie called Marriage Retreat, or a rip-off of Couples Retreat, and Jeff Fahey was like the straight star in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like every actor, you know, all the other actors acting amongst themselves are all like equal, mm. but you know when they're in the, when they have their individual scenes with Jeff Fahey, it's sort of like you know yeah. they because, really I, I, you really have to up your game. And um,
1: what's the name uh, of that film you did, Sean? You might as well just uh, say
0: it again. Marriage Retreat. Marriage Retreat. It's a strangely very similar to the film Couples Retreat. Hmm. (laughs) But since it's a Christian film, they have to be married. Oh, my God!
4: You know, when you're acting against the lawnmower, man, you better bring it. Yeah,
1: is Fahey playing a
0: priest? What's he playing? No, Jeff, actually, I joke, but Jeff Fahey's actually a good actor. I like Jeff Fahey. Oh, and you know what? I love Jeff Fahey, and I got to tell this because it makes me look good. (laughs) They (laughs) sent him. My version of the script that I wrote with my partner. Uh, what's his time code? I might cut
1: this out. Let me see. Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> and he agreed to do the film. And then they brought in another writer and the director rewrote it. And, um, I heard from the director that Jeff was not happy on the set. And I thought, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that he wasn't a good guy. And then somebody else told me why he was mad. He said, cause when he got to the set, it was a different script and he called it a bait and switch. <laughs> So I love that he liked my script and um, didn't care for anyone. You know, um,
3: that's good. That, you you
1: know. like that's our model. We like anybody that likes us. All right, Drew.
0: Exactly.
3: Well, Debbie said you guys didn't watch that much. I watched a lot because oh I was God. sick and out of work and right, stuff half a last week and everything.
0: Start so. To hear.
3: I, I watched, thank you. I watched, uh, I watched a lot of movies. Some of them were, some of them were worth talking about, like The Post. Some of them I didn't like, like Violent Night or Emily the Criminal. But, um, I watched, I finished watching Hunters. I've been very concerned about the rise of, uh, white supremacy in the country and in the world. So to watch the people hunt down. Uh, and kill Nazis very, very bloodily. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I watched two movies that really stuck with me uh, that I keep thinking about. Uh, one of them is called After Yang. It's the other great Colin Farrell movie uh, of 2022. It's basically set in the near future, and there's a lot of really interesting world-building for a movie that's only about an hour and a half. And uh, Colin Farrell and his wife and his uh, daughter, they have essentially a, a, a an android companion, and uh, he oh, okay. stops working. And I thought the movie was about, like, he dies and how do we deal with, um, you know, loss in a family. And that is part of it, but there's also a lot more about it and what the machines are and everything. And it's it's like a nice cousin to that uh, BBC show uh, Humans, which uh, was really excellent, clever sci-fi about robots that look like people and how we exploit them and stuff. And then I also watched a movie that I've been wanting to watch for quite a while. It's called Christine. It's not the one about the car. It's from 2016. Um, it's about Christine Chubbuck, who was the um, Florida newscaster who shot herself live on the air um, during a broadcast. And um, Rebecca Hall plays Christine. I don't know if you've seen a lot of her performances. She's pretty she's unbelievable. She's good. And she's really incredible she's in this. And, and it's got Michael C. Hall and uh, uh a number of other familiar faces, and everybody is good in it, but she is really, really extraordinary. And at the end of it, I kind of thought this is like, because it is about a woman with very serious mental illness, and it is about a real person and what really happened. But um it was kind of like the movie Joker, but for grown-ups. And I really liked that because um it was just more sophisticated and, and more sensitive without pandering and without demonizing people who have mental health problems. So um, after Yang and Christine were both on the quieter meditative side and I did have a fever watching them, but I really enjoyed them. Oh, nice. Christine, uh, I don't
1: know if I could watch that knowing what happened, but she's, she's fantastic.
3: Um,
1: yeah, she, if, I mean,
3: if you like Rebecca Hall, you really can't skip that yeah. movie. It's just, it's so well done. And the whole thing is, um, is shot and you would like this, Ralph. It's shot like a seventies movie with the zooms and the look of it is set. It's set in the seventies. And, um, I think you would dig the, the feel of it. So aesthetic, John, you might not right. enjoy that, uh, aesthetic, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of those movies. It's a very little movie. It makes a lot of good choices and she is, she's just incredible. Oh, well, I, I might check that one out.
1: All right, I watched something that I was looking forward to. I'm still on the fence about and I'm upset that I'm on the fence about it because I thought I would just be a home run and I'd be watching this series over and over and over. And it's Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 2. Oh, oh that And I, I, I don't know whether I'm, I've gotten older and that Borscht Belt humor just doesn't work anymore or something. I can't quite get my Hand wrapped around why I don't like it, except I just don't really like it. I kind of watched two of the episodes and I'm like, yeah, okay, I get what you're doing, but you know, it's Mel Brooks. He's 96 years old and he's narrating, and he's you get all these great actors and you know comedians and and people who are doing all these parts, and it's just like, eh, I don't, uh, you know, maybe I, I'm I'm gonna rewatch it because maybe my headspace wasn't right for it, but I'm kind of disappointed. I don't quite see well, what mean, the.
3: I know why you don't like it. Okay. You don't like it because it's not funny. That may be it. And that's a problem. You that don't like be it. it because you don't like it because it plays like honestly a less interesting, clever version of drunk history. I've I've read that is, today, which is Yeah, which is yeah. I mean drunk history is a very entertaining show. But yeah. also my biggest thing other than it's a comedy that isn't funny, I love the first um Oh yeah. Movie. I love History of the World yeah. Part One. I, I don't know. I mean, they can make it a hundred hours on Hulu if they want. I don't care, but it feels. This is why it, it's drunk history vibe. It feels like a television show, and a, kind of a low budget television show. And I wish that it felt like a movie, because you know, History of the World Part One is very silly, but it's got like you know, giant musical numbers and yeah, it's, you know, fantastic. big sets That's of Roman mean. history and the the French Revolution and Versailles and all that stuff. And this is just—it's very small and not funny. And like you said, so many good people are in it, and yeah. it's just really disappointing. Yeah, I
1: I'm I'm on the fence because obviously it's a Disney show and I want to make sure that uh I give them all the chance I can give them. But I was kind of just like, uh and then, you know, they're doing a curb your enthusiasm bit in there. I thought that would be good. Nick Kroll is fantastic He's writing great. and all that. So I I'm just kind of underwhelmed. Um but I, I am gonna give it another shot. And maybe just watch it. No Madeline Kahn, no Harvey Corman. Right, right. I mean, you can't, it's, it's difficult to compare it to the first one. You just, it's it's almost impossible. And it's such an, you talk about an uphill battle against your own, against yourself. You know, he's battling against himself and you get all these people who just love working for Mel Brooks. Right. And who could blame them? I mean, it's like a dream come true job. Um, I just don't, I just, it's not working for me. So that's, that's what I'm going to say. All right. So. We're going to go to this wheel, the double D wheel or the studio cage match, whatever we're going to call it. Uh, uh, so let's go to that. I'll show you see the titles on there.
0: Right, so I
1: put a bunch up there. I'm not saying we're going to have to do all of these, but I just wanted to give them kind of a fair shake. So what we'll do is we'll spin whatever the pair comes up. And really, I'm not asking anybody to watch these films if you haven't seen them. Oh, I imagine most of them have been seen. But if we
2: don't watch them, how are we going to be able to talk
1: about them? Well, I'm, I'm saying... Do some research on it if you want. Like, I don't want to watch Wyatt Earp again. That thing goes on forever, if that if that I, came I, up. I in the never or seen
0: someone said, why it's so long?
1: Yeah, why it's so long? Tombstone I'll watch again all day long. But uh, I'm just saying, kind of do some research, bring a little fact to it. I'm going to start looking at the numbers, see what the budgets were and what they ended up making. Um, there's a couple of uh, mystery ones in there. I don't know if you guys ever saw Liberty Stand Still. No, I was about that. I have not seen that. Lisa Ferentino, I think is her name, and Phone Booth with... Um, Linda Farentino. Linda Farentino, Phone Booth with uh, Colin Farrell. So there's some you know, there's some big ones in here, but I put a couple of other ones too. So here we go.
2: <laughs>
1: the one I didn't want to do, but here we go. That's, That's funny. One. Those
2: are the two movies that in Rome. seen.
1: Okay. <laughs> this will be a good one to talk about because they were big. So what were you saying, John? These were both not. Both I was big.
2: saying that of all the movies on there, I think these are the two that I've actually seen. Well, there you but, go. But uh, you said they were both big. They weren't both. Big. Well, you Bugs said like Kevin Spacey,
1: big. right? In, in no, I didn't say that. Drew said that. Isn't, yeah, but I think in that film, isn't, isn't Woody, Woody Allen Kev- in one of them too? Kevin Spacey, yeah, and Woody Allen the, Allen in the other one. So this is like we could do a ant. this is like we could do a perv. Uh, we could do a whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody Allen. You talk about a studio cage
2: match. One of one of the parts.
4: Not to mention, on top of that, is this. Is this the first animated films we've ever done?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. I think you may be right. Wow. Well, John, well, you've we seen The We went for the two best. I have seen. No, but most of them I have not seen. But I have seen The Descent. But I
0: didn't see The Cave. I uh, didn't see The Cave. So. I didn't see Liberty Stands Alone.
1: Again, I'm not suggesting you have to watch them. You just do a little research <laughs> oh, and we'll talk watch. about them.
2: Yeah. Well, but we're all going to do research. Yeah, on I feel like ID watching the movie. To so we're all going to be movie saying is the same thing. I don't want to watch important. half
1: these films. Are you kidding me? So, you know, I'll just talk numbers. But what are we, all right. All
2: right. Uh, so I'll uh, find I'm i sure uh, there's uh, a lot of
1: movie review shows that they don't watch. Every you know, we're talking about the like like this one is interesting because of Kevin Spacey, Woody Allen. Right. Kind cool. of. I mean, that came up. That's that's sort of just happened. It's
3: organic. So <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. Hey, we may do this for one show and then we're done. So let's see.
1: <laughs>
3: We enjoyed talking about Seven Samurai, that. so we should enjoy talking about mobile And those life. are
5: for the sub inspectors.
3: Yeah. Let's <laughs> see problem. how many views where's, this a, where's the rim shot there? <laughs>
2: yeah,
5: I got it ready. You got to have the sticks on. ready.
3: Got to rim on. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> ready.
1: Okay. Uh, all right. So that's <laughs> it. Bugs Life and Ants. Uh,. A Bugs Life and
2: Ants, yeah. Have fun. Oh, the, oh a B movie was with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Yeah. Actually, Bug's Life is
3: Disney. Yeah. David isn't Stallone. Isn't Stallone in Ants? He's in Ants. Okay.
4: I thought he was in B movie. I thought he was like one of the Holland oh, jockeys. You could I be liked right. B movie.
2: Actually. David yeah. Foley was in a Bugs Life, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Dave Foley was in a Bug's Life. Yeah. Woody Allen's in Ants.
2: Yes. Right. Sylvester
4: Stallone. No, you're right. Sylvester Stallone plays like the soldier ant in, in Ants. Right. Oh, this will be fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Double it's Ds. Double Ds. This will be great. Double
2: Ds, baby. All right. I hate right, to
0: can't say, had we still been going on the other wheel, I, and I came up, I was going to pick um, a film I've always been curious, but now Robert Blake died. Um, What's it? Electric Light in Blue from 1972. I've, That's a weird I've one. Actually,
4: I've seen that multiple times.
0: Yes, that is a,
4: I, that is a, that is a surprisingly good film. Well, put that on the shelf. By a one-time director.
1: We may be doing yeah, that in two weeks. If this doesn't go well, we'll just do that one. So. Yeah, I mean,
4: that's true. This is definitely kind of a Hail Mary. By the thing. way, this
1: was mostly Chris's idea. No, <laughs> no, I'm just
4: kidding. Wow. Let me wow. well, put it this way. I wasn't driving anywhere, so I was like five, six
0: beers deep. <laughs> we were pretty deep, yeah. But, <laughs> hey, um, you know what I, I always wanted to do is some remakes. Day okay. the earth stood still. Day the earth stood still. You know, F- flight of the Phoenix. Flight of the Phoenix. You know, okay. which one's better? Okay. Which yeah. one, taking hey, a pillow, um, one two three one two three. Table you know. that one, and we'll uh, maybe throw that in the mix. Yeah. So. All right. All right. I already know how it works out. Usually, the old ones better. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Though so it's hard to say about um, what is it? All quiet on the Western Front because I haven't seen the nineteen thirty
3: version. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. I haven't seen the new one yet.
0: The new one was very good. It won a lot of awards, right? Yeah, won a few. I mean,
2: think of it when you look at that movie, the original, and the time it was made, it was
1: brutal. Yeah. Okay. All All right, right. buddy. Have a good week. Have a good one. And uh, enjoy the cartoons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See you later.